0: tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hello, my name is Rafaela and I'm the science communications intern at Yakult. Today, we are joined by Professor Glenn Gibson, Is a professor of food microbiology at the University of Reading, and his current research is dominated by gut microbiome interactions and dietary intervention. In this episode of the podcast, Professor Gibson will be sharing with us what the gut microbiota is and some of its primary functions. So, to get started, if someone asked you for a short explanation of what the gut microbiota is, what would you tell them?
1: Well, what would I tell them? It's the collection of microbes which we carry around, as its name suggests, in our gut. So this comprises the stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine, and the numbers and types differ depending on these organs, but effectively it's the huge collection of microorganisms that we have in our alimentary tract or gut.
0: As you mentioned, the gut microbiota is the collection of microorganisms that live within our gastrointestinal tract, But what makes up this collection? Is it only bacteria?
1: No, it's not. Uh, Bacteria are probably the most better understood of all the microbes that are there, but there are also yeasts or fungi, there's parasites, and there's viruses. And we all know that viruses are very much in the news uh, these days, and so there's a lot of attention being diverted to a certain virus as well as viruses that are in the gut. But it's it's largely bacteria, and it's bacteria we understand, I guess, the most about in terms of their activity and function.
0: We see the terms microbiota and microbiome used interchangeably quite often, but they actually mean different things. Can you explain the difference between the two terms and how they should be used?
1: It's funny, actually, because uh, the common opinion is that these are new, quite new terms um, but I read a really interesting paper by Susan Prescott, who's, uh, a really nice scientist in, in Australia, does a lot of really good work with children in, in their microbiome. And she, um, uh, has done some digging around on this. And these are actually quite old terms. Um, microbiome goes back to the early nineteen eighties and microbiome is, is even longer than that, going back something like 50 years plus. Uh, but what the the, 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 You're right, they are used interchangeably, but the main difference is that the microbiota refers to the bugs themselves, so the collection of bacteria, viruses, yeast and so on, whereas microbiome refers to that plus their genetic material. So microbiome is more driven by the genetics of the ecosystem rather than just the composition and microbiota generally deals with just the composition but i mean i'm as guilty as using them as interchangeably as anyone so i think it's a pretty common thing to to use both both and as long as we understand that it's a massive diverse collection of microbes i think either are fine quite honestly
0: so in a similar way that the human genome project allows us to create a blueprint of our genes the NIH Human Microbiome Project has given us many insights into the microbial communities that live in and on us. Can you tell us how these microbial communities differ depending on where they live on and in the human body?
1: There's been a lot of big sequencing projects. So, sequencing is unraveling the genetic components in bacteria and using that as a form of identifying them. So there's been the Human Microbiome Project, which you quite rightly mentioned. There's also been European versions of that, uh, Metahit and, and others. There's, there's been similar efforts in Asia and elsewhere in the world. And it's been great because this has really unraveled a lot of our knowledge of the diversity or the types of microbes which are present in the human gut as well as other human and animal ecosystems. So in, in terms of your your no question about the different communities living on different parts of the body. Well, you know, bacteria are pretty much everywhere. So they're on the skin. They're, they're in our hair, in our urinary tract, in our gut. But in the gut, they do differ. The stomach is relatively sterile compared to other areas. So the types of numbers in the stomach are about 10 to the power of 3, a so 1,000 in every meal. So obviously the acid in the stomach keeps them low but so does transit time. The the progression of of digestive materials through the stomach is rapid. Uh, The small intestine is the next organ in line. Numbers get there up to about 10 to the 6, which is about a million per per mil. Um, Again, rapid transit, about three or four hours in the stomach typically. But the large intestine is really where it all changes, Uh, or colon or hindgut are are other names for this. Uh, Everything slows up dramatically. And it takes about a couple of days, two or three days for contents to get from one area of the large intestine to the other. And that's a long time for bacteria to grow up to huge numbers. So the numbers typically inside the colon are 10 to 12. That's a 10 with 11 notes after it in every gram. And that's estimated to be something like 90% of all the cells in our body. So literally, we are only 10% human if you take that literally, and 90% microorganism. And then the, the types and numbers differ Again, whether you're looking at the oral cavity, the skin or whatever. But uh, it it really is dictated by the type of substrate or growth factors available for the microbes, as well as the the presence of, of oxygen, for instance, and the pH.
0: If we go back to the gut, how unique is an individual's gut microbiota?
1: This is a really common question. And I think the answer, strangely, is both yes and no. It depends how hard you look, is 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 that how I could simplify it? Um, So within the, the kind of microbial ecosystem, you have different classes. So you have phyla, which are phylum or family. Underneath that, you've got groups or genera. Underneath that, you've got species. And underneath that, you've got strains. So I think at the higher level, the family and the group or genus or genera, we are pretty much the same um so we you and i will have the same families of bacteria like bacteroidetes firmicutes we'll probably have the same genera like for the bacteria, there'll be about 30 40 of them something like that but if you look at the strain level at the at the microbes we probably are a little bit different and unique but if we look at the higher level of the hierarchy the groups or the family i don't think we are
0: then do you think there's a difference between certain populations in terms of these microbial profiles?
1: I'm not so sure that the types differ that much, but certainly their numbers will fluctuate and therefore their activity. And so some groups will have certain microbes doing very well and others being more repressed and other people will maybe have it the other way around. And the best sort of example I could give is a breastfed infant where bifidobacteria, which is seen as the good guys, are very high in breastfed uh, children. And that is driven by the diet and the presence of certain ingredients in breast milk which are not present in formula milk. And that's the case throughout our lives when we move into childhood and then into adult and more elderly years. Our diet really does have a big role to play in all of this. So someone who eats lots of carbohydrates will have a different functional Type of gut microbiome to someone who just eats a lot of protein or lots of fat instead, the types of the bugs probably don't alter, but their function will.
0: So, why then do you think there's been so much focus on the gut microbiota? Did the focus on the gut microbiota stem from the knowledge that it has the most dense population of microorganisms compared to other regions of the body, or is it from early studies suggesting there are associations with health?
1: I think it's both. Uh, The real drive is, of course, the association with health and trying to unravel the role of the microbiome, the gut microbiome, in certain clinical states, acute and chronic. For instance, gastroenteritis, irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, digestive cancers, then outside the gut, the link with obesity, metabolic syndrome the whole area of gut brain axis, anxiety, depression. There's there's lots and lots of different clinical states associated with this. And it's something we can change because through diet we can alter our microbiome. And I know that in later podcasts we're going to be talking about pro and prebiotics. But these are really clever ways of altering microbial profile and altering their predisposition to certain diseases as a result of that. But also, the other argument that you put forward about the, the sheer weight of numbers and the dense population is true because that keeps scientists like microbial ec- ecologists very happy. There's nothing uh, an ecologist likes better than a dense collection of different microbes to unravel, find out what's there, how they talk to one another, how they relate to one another, what they do, how they inhibit one another. And like, you know, like most families, bacteria do argue and or get on with one another. Um, And and that's sort of fascinating to to look at the interplay in mixed mixed ecosystems. Microbiology has been very much dominated in the past by pure culture but really pure cultures effectively only really occur in people's labs in the real world bacteria grows collections and that's what drives ecologists to look in particular at the gut microbiome so it's a clinical need for understanding health driven as well as basic science so it's i think there's been a lot has been done but there's a heck of a lot to do but it's great because we're looking at something that has public health relevance as well as scientific interest
0: definitely So we know that there's no clear definition of a healthy gut microbiota, but the terms diversity, resilience, and stability are often used to describe it. What do these terms mean, and are they components of a healthy gut microbiota?
1: Diversity is really the types. Uh, Resilience and stability mean mean the same thing. It's also called homeostasis. So that's the ability of the gut ecosystem to resist infections and resist disease, immunological factors, which are associated with those conditions. So those are what those terms effectively mean. And it's often said that low diversity is a bad thing. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, because I think that functionality is more important. And, you know, we already talked about breastfed infants having a very powerful and positive gut microbiota, but it's very low in diversity. So I I don't think that necessarily adds together. And in terms of a healthy gut microbiota, I'm not sure we're as far away from that as we think we are. I've heard it it said we'll never be able to define that. Well, I don't think so, because we do know which microbes in the gut are positive for health and which ones are negative. For instance, the former of those would be bifidobacteria, lactobacilli, then newer bugs like Fecali Propionibacteria, Roseburia. Whereas on the contrary, the more negative forms are certain types of clostridia, for instance, clostridium difficile, sulfate-reducing bacteria, and also the products which are made. Some of these are positive for health, like organic acids, acetate, butyrate, propanase, whereas others are more negative, like phenolics, amines, and ammonia. And then we have the whole area of the ability of the microbiome to influence inflammatory status in a positive and negative manner, immune status, and toxicity. So I think that the definition of a healthy microbiota is not very far away and it's closer than we actually generally think it is.
0: Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for giving us a great introduction to what the gut microbiota is. We've learned about the different components of our gut microbiota and how this differs between individuals, but that is not yet clear what a healthy microbiota really looks like. In the next few episodes with Professor Gibson, we will take a look at how the gut microbiota changes during the life course and the role it plays in health and disease. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and to sign up for future episodes of our Microbiome Matters podcast, go to yakult.co.uk forward
1: HCP.